honored to be here. I, I don't know that I can say that enough. Anytime I get the opportunity to share about the goodness of God, wherever it's at, I hope that I never, ever take that for granted. Um, I want to tell you a little story. Since we, I, was, I got to be with you guys last time, um, my husband and I got to go to Maine. Maine has been on my, I've got an epic bucket list, let me just tell you that. And if I get to do half the stuff on my bucket list, it's gonna be super awesome. But we got to go to Maine and I was so excited because we were going in October and that's when all the leaves change and everything. So we were so excited about this trip. And we were told that it was probably going to be really cold. We got there and it was not bad. So like everything was perfect and we ate a ton of lobster. Um, It looked like a Hallmark movie without the bad actors, okay? Like it was just fantastic and everything everything was perfect and so the reason we went is there was a student that he grew up in student ministry with me, and now he's, we call him a man-child because I don't know that he's really fully grown up, but um, he, the girl that we've prayed for God to bring into his life, God did, and she is just everything we've prayed for. She's beautiful inside and out, and they decided to get married in Maine, which I thought was really cool, so we got to go be part of this, and they said, well, the morning of the wedding, they did a sunrise service. Now, if you don't know this about me, I don't like mornings. And this was sunrise. So we had to be on the top of a mountain at 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, but it was exciting. It was super excited. And so I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning. But they told me the night before that it was probably going to rain. Well, I'm from Texas. Probably means nothing when it comes to weather. And so I'm like, well, no, it's going to be fine. So at 4 o'clock that morning, and this is a formal event. So we're in like formal wear. Four o'clock in the morning, I get up and I get ready. And I, I, I can't make this up. My curls were popping. My hair, my hair looked better than it had in a long time. My makeup looked good. I looked like a walking Snapchat filter. Like it was like, this is great. I was, I was feeling myself. And I've got this long ball gown on and like I'm ready. Now, because we were going up the side of a mountain and because there was possible rain, they told us to not wear like fancy shoes. And they told us to wear what what I call duck boots or L.L. Bean boots or whatever, that you don't wear it with a dress, but the dress covered it. So I'm like, this is okay, I'll wear these. And so I'm like, this is so ridiculous that I've got these shoes on underneath this dress. Uh, My grandma would flip in her grave if she knew that I wore shoes like that with a dress. And so we, we opened the door of our hotel room and it's raining so hard, the rain's coming from the ground up. This is not my wedding, but I'm feeling myself. <laughs> and I look at Phil and I said, what now? What are, we, what are we supposed to do? Like, and he's like, well, we go. And I'm like, <laughs> and he lovingly in his Phil ways, this is not about you, Amber. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so we drive up to the top of Cadillac Mountain, and we're standing up there. We're supposed to be there for sunrise. It is raining so hard and the clouds are so thick, you see nothing. But people laughing at us for being in formal wear in the rain. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So at the, by the time that we get up there before the bride walks up, it looks like I have jumped in the ocean 
and gotten back out. My hair is like a poodle, like a wet poodle. My makeup looks like Gene Simmons. It's awful. <laughs> awful. And I, I am so just like, I can't believe, like, what are we doing? I can't, this is not the plan. And I look over at Hunter the groom, and he is just soaking wet. So he got so wet, it blew his boot out. Like, I was like, I didn't know that could happen. But it did, on a mountain in Maine. And he's, he's just excited. We're freezing to death. I'm like, could we have not done this, like, in the lobby or something? Like, <laughs> Then all of a sudden, this beautiful little girl comes walking up with her daddy. And she is in this gorgeous dress that was modified from her mom's wedding dress but modified because it's 2021, right? And it's super beautiful, and she's beautiful, and she's, everybody's getting drenched. And it ended up being one of the most beautiful, beautiful things. I've got a couple pictures of them. This is after they dried off some. Like, y'all should have seen them before then, but go ahead and show. Like, look at them. Her hair was a little bit fuller before this, but yeah. I think we have one more. Do we have one more? Yeah, look. And I just remember in that moment coming back down the mountain, going, wringing my dress out, going, this is not what I thought, but it was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And they now not only have funny stories to tell for forever, but these gorgeous pictures of this beautiful wedding that happened at the top of the mountain. And in the moment, all I was thinking about until we got up there was, what now? What am I supposed to do now? Look at my hair. <laughs> look at my makeup. Look at my dress. Look at these boots. And the wind was blowing so hard that it blew my dress. So in the pictures, you see those ugly boots. <laughs> I'm like, really? Can we like smudge that out somehow? Do you have like an editing ability here? So I want to talk to you today about what now? What now when it comes to your life, when it comes to my life? We're going to be camping out in one area of the Bible today. If you want to turn there, it's Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And while you're turning there, I want, to, I want to talk to you about what's leading up to this moment. Jesus is on the scene. And he is doing what Jesus does. He is healing people. He is meeting people in their brokenness. He's feeding people. He is changing and shifting and shaking up a culture that had never been or received love like they are right now. So Jesus is moving from group to group, from situation to situation, and people's lives are being changed. And so right before we get to what we're talking about today, in Luke 8 verses starting in 22, Jesus says, hey, let's get in a boat and go to the other side. So he and the disciples load up in this boat to go to the other side. We've talked about this before. Jesus was tired because he's healing all these people, right? He's probably like, I need a break. Even God rest. For those of you who think you don't need to rest, even God rest. And so he gets in this boat. Everything is fine. And Jesus lays down to go to sleep. And then the storm happens. And the disciples of if you remember of us talking about this before or go look it up for yourself, they are freaking out. They are like, we're going to die. The winds are coming over the boat. The boat is shaking. They look like I did on the side of that mountain soaking wet. But they were scared for their life. They were terrified. And they find Jesus asleep and they wake him up and they're like, what are you doing? We're going to die. And Jesus gets up 
and he speaks to the storm. He talks to them, he talks to the storm, the storm stops. And then they are left in verse 25. They are like, who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now imagine with me, if you will, these guys who have watched him miraculously. First of all, he sought them out and they followed him. They knew. This is different. And they were on a journey that they thought they understood, but they didn't fully understand. And they were watching God who put skin on heal and change people's lives. And they've seen all this. This isn't like the first thing they've seen. But now they're like, who's this guy? He can talk to the, the wind too? So just imagine these little guys sitting there in a row soaking wet like, what? And then we pick up in verse 26. It says, so they arrived in the region of Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of the town. So Jesus is climbing out of the boat. He's not even out of the boat. He's crossed into this different region. He's climbing out of the boat. And this naked man, get that picture in your head. You're like, no, thank you. Oh, we're going there. This naked man full of demons comes running at him. I don't know how I would respond. I wonder what those disciples were like. We'll stay in the boat. Thank you. You know, I don't know. But the Bible says that Jesus was getting out of the boat and this naked, demon-possessed man comes running. As soon as he saw, verse 28, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Matthew's account of this story in verse, chapter 8, verse 29 says, they begin screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? I think it's super interesting and super significant that the disciples who Jesus picked. The disciples who were walking with Jesus, the disciples who had experienced the miracles of Jesus, the last thing they said was, who is this guy? And then the demons inside the man not only said who he was, the son of God, they understood the significance of the time. You have an appointed time. This isn't your appointed time, Jesus. Are you here to mess with us before your appointed time? I think that's super important that we understand that the enemy, although he is dumb, he is not stupid. He understands the call of God on your life. He also understands God has the final say. Don't think that he doesn't have a plan to destroy you with as much as God plans to do great things in you. Back to Luke, verse 29. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what's your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a larger herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down 
the steep hillside into the lake and drown. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and surrounded countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man freed from the demons. Get this. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. He was sitting there completely clothed, physically and spiritually, and completely in his right mind. And the people were afraid. Verse 36, then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. They asked Jesus to go away. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, no. Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. So this region that they were in historically was non-Jewish, full of pagan ritual, pagan worship. What does that mean? These were not Jesus' people. They weren't the Jews. And I think it's important that we recognize that he goes for a specific reason and they send him away. But the very next verse says that they welcomed him. That when he got back to the other side of the lake... The, the crowds welcomed him. And I want to take a minute to not talk about how they rejected Jesus. I want to take a minute to talk about how Jesus told the man no. How that had to have felt. What that must have been like. And I, I, I'm sure we've all been, I already told you I have, I've been in a lot of them, situations where you're like, oh, what now? What now? Maybe you've been in a place where you had an idea that something was supposed to look a certain way and then it didn't and you're like, uh-oh, what now? I've got a few points I want to share with you today. I want you to understand this has been a journey that I've been studying. So turning this into something that I could share actually was a little bit more difficult because I'm like, can you just get in my head and, and like, can we just sit and have coffee and let me explain what I'm seeing? And like, what are you seeing? So I wrote down four things that I thought were super significant. The first one, the ministry and the movement of Jesus is for everyone. It was for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles. It was for the broken, the hurting, the diseased. It's for you. It's for me. It's for the people out there that you don't like that voted different than you. It's for the people who, don't get mad, identify differently. Like there's nothing, nothing that you and I face, that you and I embrace, that you and I stumble in that is not for Jesus to get involved in. He doesn't look at you and go, wow, yeah, hot mess express right there. Good luck, buddy. Like he's for all of us. 
But I think what happens is we get in this, this place in our mind where we see people that we don't know what to do with them. And we don't understand what their struggle is. We don't understand how to embrace them. Listen, you can embrace and love people without embracing the sin. Do you understand that's biblical? Like that's what we're supposed to do. But what we do is we don't know how to embrace them without the sin. So we just leave them to themselves and we hope that they figure it out. And that's not what God's asking of us. His movement his ministry is for everybody. Young, old, rich, poor, black, white. Dumb, dumber. <laughs> it's for all of us. Nothing is too big for Jesus, but I want you to hear me on this. Nothing's too small for him either. I love, that's what I love about little kids. Their prayer request. Can we pray for my, my mom's dog that died when she was four? Yes, we can. And we do. Why? Because we want those kids to know that if it matters to them right then, it matters to God. They also have us pray for other things too. Y'all just need to know we, we don't judge you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> My mom and dad are fighting. Let's pray. Just kidding. I raised kids too. Like, trust me. I had ch the children's pastors like, Amber, I'm like, mm-mm. Just, mm, mm. I don't want to know. <laughs> Number two, oftentimes God's no is for a bigger yes. Like chew on that one a little bit today. Oftentimes God's no is for a bigger yes. I cannot imagine what that fella had to have been thinking. He was butt naked, running around full of demons. And the savior of the world gets out of a boat. And it changes everything. And he is set free. And he is clothed. And he's in his right mind. But hear me on this. The people around him were terrified of what Jesus had done. He hadn't even thinking, are they going to be scared of me now too? Like, this isn't my notes, but I just thought about this. Hear me on this. Sometimes the things God does in your life, other people don't want. Can you imagine living in a region where you're crazy? You're lost your mind, butt naked, running around, and people would rather you be like that than be free? Because the freedom scares them? If you don't get anything out of today, get this. The call of God on some of your lives is going to scare some people. You need to be okay with that. The freedom that God wants to give you for you to walk in is going to scare some people. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. Okay. We have a cry room out there. You're welcome to use it. my friends or the people that I lived around getting to walk in freedom and they're going, uh-uh, we would rather you be the other way. So he's sitting there going, what now? And learning that oftentimes God's no is bigger than our yes. Jesus said, you can't come with me. But Jesus didn't say, I won't be with you. He didn't say, all right, buddy, you're on your own. Figure it out. He said, go and tell them. 
Go and share the good news. There was a greater understanding that it is not about you escaping from what you're afraid of. It's being empowered to face off your fears. And you know what? We can clap for that, but y'all, that's for you. That's for me. We got to learn to be okay facing the things that terrify us. Facing the call of God on a, whoa, that's a little bit bigger. Maybe I had too much coffee this morning. No, maybe God's saying, yeah, without me, you can't. But with me, watch out. What can we do together? Number three, the impact of obedience despite circumstances has a ripple effect. Let me say that one more time. The impact of obedience despite circumstances has a ripple effect. Historically, it is believed by everyone, really, that this, this, that region had a huge, just move of God. And there was the early church. I mean, it was, it was a happening place. And historically, they believe he's the one that started and led that. Think about that for a second. Well, this is uncomfortable, Jesus. You're getting in the boat. I've got clothes on, and I now know what's going on. Bye. If he would have gotten in that boat, what would have happened in that region? It might have would have been easier to hop in that boat and leave with Jesus. But a whole nation was shook up because he was obedient. And he wasn't just obedient and staying. Hear me on that. Like, y'all need to get that part. I need to get that part. The obedience wasn't in just staying The obedience was in going and telling. There is a huge difference in believing in Jesus and following him. The devil believes in Jesus. He called him out. (laughs) I know who you are. He could have been like, well, y'all just need to be happy that I'm in my right mind. Like, just chill out. I'm not demon possessed anymore. Do you like my clothes? But instead, Scripture says he ran and he told everyone. When God changes you, even if people around you don't like the change, your job is not to worry about if they like it or not. It's to make sure they know why you're changed, that it's not because of you. And I I think it's important that we understand that change is also a a process sometimes. Okay? Like, forgiveness is instant. But some of the junk we got to work out, y'all can't pretend like it's not there because you gave your heart to Jesus. You know where the healing comes from when you openly work through that with Jesus. Well, I've struggled with this addiction. Well, don't pretend like the struggle wasn't real. Give that addiction continuously to the Lord. Get other people around you who are ahead of the game in that area that God has set free. Be open and honest that this isn't going to hold me back anymore. I mean, you know that they were like, hey, remember when you used to run around naked? Yeah, I do. Remember when you were crazy? Yeah. Could that have been embarrassing? Sure, but I guarantee he turned and said, but you want to know why I'm not anymore? Since you brought the conversation up. <laughs> Sit down, let me tell you a story. It changes things. We can't let the enemy continue to use our past against us, but let's use our past to bring glory to God. And number four, Jesus 
This is my favorite one. Jesus is still going through storms for you. That day, there was nothing else he did. Now, I looked it up because I get lost in the weeds of weird studies sometimes. That sea is only about eight miles wide. Now, they did not have engines or motors or anything to move their little boat. They just, little paddles or whatever they did. I don't know. But they didn't have a motor. How about that? But when the storm hits, it changes the speed in which you move. So, many theologians have said it could have taken him up to eight to ten hours to get to the other side. He was accepted and loved and embraced by crowds that were there for the hype. Man, he's healing people, y'all. He's feeding people. He's shaking things up. Y'all want to go check this out? Word is lunch will be served. Hey, hey. And he gets in a boat and goes to a place where nobody wants him for one person. Then he gets back in the boat and goes back to where he's wanted. Hear me on this. You think, I think, we think sometimes that the junk in which we face, the stuff that we go through, it's too much for God. And I'm telling you, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will still cross the sea just for you. He'll go through the storm just for you. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to face the storm alone. He is there. And he'll cross it just for you. Jesus sought you out. He is still seeking you out. It has been that way. It will remain that way forever. Luke 19.10 says, he came to seek and save the lost. Not some of them. All of them. He's not picky. He wants everybody. He wants you. He doesn't want you just to believe in him. Like, I really think we've got to get that out of our head. Well, I said a prayer and I gave, I, I, I asked Jesus into my heart. Okay, has life changed? Not really. Why? Well, but I, did, I do believe he died on the cross for my sins. Good, he did. I do believe he's the son of God. Awesome, he is. Again, the enemy believes that as well. You got to go. You got to do. Things have got to start shifting in your life. Are you saying I'm not a Christian? I'm not. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Again, what I said, there's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. And my friend, I want to tell you the stuff that you feel like you keep fighting and the stuff that you're like, I gave that to God and I just keep giving it to God. You know what helps when you give things to God to get to moving? Move. Start moving on it. Start helping somebody else. Stop focusing on yourself. What can you do for somebody who can't do for themselves? Move. Talk about it. Be honest. You know what I used to struggle with? Let me tell you. I'm working through it. I have a young lady in our student ministry. Every Wednesday night, she tells me how many days she's been clean from cutting herself. And we celebrate. And you know what? 
We were at 287. And the next time I saw her, we were at six. And you know what? We celebrated those six. And we're going to continue to celebrate because God is not done with her. But you know what's been, she told me, she said, you know what makes this work? And she's super sassy. I wish that, I can't wait for someday for she gets to stand up and tell her story. She goes, you want to know what makes this work? Her little sassy attitude. I was like, what? And she said, talking about it because I don't want to tell you. But when I tell you, then I feel responsible. And I said, bingo. Bingo. It's not hidden anymore. PA, I cut myself six days ago. How many times have you cut yourself since then? None? Okay, good. Let's celebrate those six. Let's celebrate that six. Let's celebrate what God's doing there. I want to make this abundantly clear. The enemy is real. See, I grew up where we talked all about like hell all the time. Hell. Well, we're going to church, we're going to learn about hell. <laughs> and how Amber's probably going there. No. <laughs> talk about hell and the devil and you know what we got away from that and we started to because I didn't understand the goodness of Jesus I didn't understand about his grace and mercy and his love and you know what but we've gotten so far into talking about the goodness of Jesus we forgot that his goodness is only good because there is an evil out there do you know what I'm saying like there his goodness when you're hungry and you eat that ham sandwich this is a ham sandwich but why is it so good because you're hungry Jesus, his mercy, his mercy is only merciful because you need mercy because there is an enemy out to destroy your life. His grace is sufficient because of the opposite side. Like you got to understand. So we can talk about God's goodness. We can talk about his grace. We can talk about his forgiveness. But you need to understand. The enemy wants to destroy your life. He's real. The Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy and I think this is where Christians struggle because we think when we give our heart to Jesus, that means the enemy stops. My friend, he starts working overtime. And what he does is he gets us to shut up. He gets us to be quiet. He gets us to focus on what's wrong. He gets us to look at the things about us that used to be and we stop seeing that God put clothes on us. He gets us to look at the things that are embarrassing and where we were naked and crazy. And God's like, that's not who you are anymore. You need to know. I need to know. He wants to keep you bound, exposed, broken, hurting. And I think oftentimes we think, well, but I'm a Christian. So this doesn't apply to me. This applies to everybody in here sucking air. Because if you've never given your heart to Christ, or if you have, and you're taking 10 steps, but God's called you to 20. If you're limiting what God can do in your life, this is for you in any area. If you're limiting yourself as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a friend, the call of God on your life, well, God put this thing in my heart and it sounds crazy because it's bigger than you. The call of God in your life should scare you a little bit because you shouldn't just be able to do it by yourself. And if you're like, I got this. I double dog dare you to start dreaming bigger. It needs to be something you don't got. It needs to be something outside of your control. Because when we say, I'm a, I can't do this, God. And he says, that's right, but I can. You want my help? You want me to step in and get involved? 
Because guess what? Storms come. Rain comes. And it messes up a rockin' hair day. But there's not a storm in this life that you face that God didn't see coming. And the end result, when you let him get involved, is beautiful. Like he takes our mess. I mean, I know we're really glad that we're not walking around with these bubbles over our head that tell the truth about the things we think and the stuff we've done. You're like, I would never leave my house. I'd wear a hat. What if it popped up above your hat? We're glad. But you know what? There's nothing so free when you can say, you want to know the truth? You want to know really what's going on? And we just tell it. And then we invite God into the story. So with all of you looking at me, like, you're my church family. I want you to hear me on this. Jesus loves you. He didn't just die to forgive you of your sins so you didn't go to hell. He died so you could live with him here now. That your life, maybe you don't get to hop in that boat. See, sometimes we have to face the things we don't want to face. Well, if this would just go away, if God would just, oh, if God would just let me win the lottery. What I could do for him. Well, the Bible says the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. If you'll just trust him, what could you do for him? Like we do all these what ifs, what ifs. If I could do this, or if my parents were like this, or if I could pray like them, or if I looked like her, or if I was like this. And we, we start limiting God and God's like, you're not. You're who I made you to be and I want to use you. Will you shut up and let's do this? Stop. Stop. I want, you to, I want you to hear me. This room may be full of people who've given their heart to Jesus. I dare you to give your life. I dare you to stop waiting on him to come back. I'm guilty. I wish he'd hurry up and come back. I'm tired of this mess. People need him. Well, they should have found him. I don't know what to tell them. You know, like we all get there. Amber, that's awful. Well, it's the honest truth. We've felt that way. But what if we stopped waiting on him to come back and we stopped worrying about, is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? What if about, he's coming back, let's just make sure people are ready. Like, let's make sure people know the truth about Jesus and what he's done. <laughs> Study, learn, get lost in the weeds, but make sure your conversation points everybody back to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, well, I want to understand these things scripturally. That's why we have classes like Digging Deep. That's why we have Bible studies. But I'm going to tell you something. God's not called you. Oh, you got to hear this. God's not called you to hide out in Digging Deep. He's not called you to hide out in ladies and men's Bible study. Well, we're talking about revelations. Big whoop-de-doo-dah if you're not doing anything with it. God's called you to go to a world who doesn't know him and tell them how and what he's done in your life. And I I dare to say, if you're not doing that, you're missing the mark. Well, but I just feel like God's called me to spend all my time praying. He's called you to pray. Pray without ceasing. But what I see in the Bible that I read, he says, go. Go tell them. Tell everybody you know. 
Bow your heads with me all across this room. I don't want you to think that I'm like, well, if you haven't, this is not about how many people have you led to Christ? Well, you're failing. This is not that. What if God's called you to one person and that's the person he called you to? Meet that calling. But before we go there, let me just ask this question. If you're in here right now and you say, I have never made Jesus Lord of my life. I, he's not my God. I believe in him. I do the church thing. But he's not my God and I need him to be my God. I need that to change right now. If that's anybody in here, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Anybody at all? Okay. Now, family, if you're in here and you can say, you know what? I love Jesus. I live for, I've given him my heart. I need to do a better job at living for him. And guess what, y'all? I'm in full-time ministry and I'll tell you, I need to do a better job at it. If that's you and you're like, yes, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking at you. I just want to pray with you. Yeah, me too. Can we all stand? Can we pray together? As we're going into this week of Thanksgiving, we have a lot to be thankful for. Your family, your friends, Turkey, America. (laughs) But you have nothing more to be thankful for than Jesus. So I dare you to let that be the conversation at your tables. The conversation at the grocery store while you're picking up your cranberry sauce. In a jar. No. Somebody wants some help with that, please come see me after church. I can teach you how to make it where it doesn't have dents in it. We have a debate at our house about that, but that's another time, another place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every man, woman, and child here, every person within the sound of my voice, everyone watching online. And Lord, I thank you that in moments when we're like, what's next? You have a plan. And God, it's bigger and better and more beautiful and more amazing than anything we can imagine. And help us, Jesus, to let you lead our life. Help us, Jesus, to let you be in control. Help us, Jesus, to trust you as the author and finisher of our faith. You're good. Lord, I pray that every single one of us have a level of conviction that if today people didn't know I was a Christian, I wasn't talking about you enough. I wasn't living it right. Lord, help us to be just contagious with our love for you. Lord, I pray that we recognize that as people who are full of the Spirit of God, when we walk into a room, the atmosphere changes, Lord. Help us to live according to that. Thank you, God. It's not about judgment. It's not about criticism. It's not about keeping up with who's doing what. It's about loving people and drawing them to you and letting you do the rest. You're good. You're faithful. None of us deserve what you've done, Lord, but help us to embrace it because you're our heavenly father and you love us. 
In your precious name, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this week. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In your precious name, amen. If you need prayer, we got people. Oh, hey, hey, what's up? Hey, hey. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> hey, give, give me one, one second. I, don't, I hate to do this, but I feel like somebody here needs to hear a word. I feel like God gave to me while I was preaching. That guy that watched Jesus take off in the boat. Jesus left him, but he really didn't leave him. And I wonder, there's somebody here today that you, you just feel like you don't have connection with God. And I believe God wants to say to you that he, he hasn't left you. Yeah. Just because you can't see him right now doesn't mean he's not with you. By faith, embrace his presence because he's still with you. Yeah. And God wants to say that to somebody today that you're here and you, you just don't have much hope in you. God wants to bring hope back in you. Yeah. And uh, I just felt like I should yeah. say that. And so somebody take that home with you. The prayer team's up here for you. Please don't leave if you need prayer. We love you guys. Thank you for being part of our family, and we'll see you next week.